Well, we're going to read out of 1 John 5, 14, and I'm going to talk to you today about why your prayers aren't answered, why some prayers are not answered. And I'm reading out of the Living Bible, so if you're in anything other than the Living Bible, you're going to think, I don't know what I'm saying. But the Living Bible put it in a way that I just think is easiest to understand with these particular verses. 1 John 5, 14 to 15, and they're going to put it up there, I believe. There we go. And we are sure of this, that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything. Now listen to these next words, in line with his will, according to his will. Now those words are the balance to what Jesus said, if you ask anything according to my name or in my name, I will give it to you. You will receive it if you believe you have it. If you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. But now we have an addendum, something added to that promise. If it's in line with his will. Okay? Now verse 15. And if we really know he's listening, when we talk to him and make our requests, then we can be sure that he will answer us. Can we go to him in prayer? Father, thank you right now that prayer is going to change us. Thank you for taking our prayer life up a level. Every person in this sanctuary, everyone watching by streaming video, everybody listening by radio, Lord, all across America, our prayer life is going to be touched, changed, lifted, expanded, fresh breath breathed into it, fresh vision, fresh motivation. For we know when we pray, we're being heard. Lord, I thank you for anointing me to share this word, rightly dividing the word of truth, and thank you for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see what Jesus is saying to the church today. Father, I need you today. I can't do this without you today, and we can't understand without your help. Help us, Lord, to grasp your word. Will you breathe a prayer? Say, Lord, I receive your word change my prayer life and so change my life in Jesus name amen turn to your neighbor and tell him God heard that prayer God heard that prayer now let me begin by giving you a truth about prayer God answers every single prayer there is not a prayer that God does not answer and let me tell you how he answers yes no or wait. But God answers every prayer, and sometimes he says, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but that aside, he answers in one of three ways every prayer we pray. Anytime you go to pray, God answers it. He either says no, or he says yes, or he says wait. But he answers every prayer. And so I want to take those three things, and I want to just deal with them one at a time. And let me start with why God says no, because really for our own good, God says no sometimes. There have been prayers I prayed, I look back now, and I say, oh, thank you, Lord, for that great big no, because I didn't know what I was praying. And that's what I want to tell you, first of all, why does God answer with a no? Why does he tell us no? Because first of all, we don't pray many times, though we think we do. We don't pray with the wisdom and the foresight and the knowledge that God has. 
We think we do. We think we know exactly what we need. But if you've ever had children, you know that sometimes children know exactly what they need, but you see that it would be a nightmare if they got it. And if you're a parent, you're very used to saying no and not being loved for it or appreciated for it. I've never seen a kid say, thank you for saying no. <laughs> never. But see, we so easily pray selfish prayers. We don't know what they're selfish, but they are. We pray short-sighted prayers. We pray flesh-driven prayers. We pray ill-advised prayers. We pray presumptuous prayers. We just know something is God's will. We just know we got to have this or that or the other, and we pray. But here's what James tells us. You ask, but you do not receive because you're asking for the wrong reasons. And uh, another version says you're asking amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. You want these things only to please yourselves. But you're convinced you've got to have that person for a spouse or that job or that house or, and I understand this one, that car. <laughs> and you walk into the mall and something talks to you and tells you all kinds of things are God's will for you to have. <laughs> it's the spirit of mall. I buy in the spirit of mall before I walk in because, because I hear the voice of the Lord all the time in the mall. And then I hear the voice of the Lord say, if you just put it on your card, I'll take care of it later. <laughs> Plastic is generally not the voice of God. Amen. The Bible tells us in Romans, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Did you know the Bible tells that about you and me? Write to us. You do not know what you ought to pray for. Therefore, the Spirit of God prays for you. Because there's often we don't know what we ought to pray for. And so because we don't have the insight, the knowledge, the foreknowledge of God, then we, we ask amiss. And God says no. And trust me, down the road, you really will say, as time goes on and things settle, you'll say, Lord, thank you for saying no to that. I did not know what I was asking for. Now, another reason God says no is unconfessed sin in our life. It says in the Psalms, the Lord will not hear me, if I hold on to sin in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. That means if I'm cleaving to it. It doesn't mean we got to be perfect to pray. This is talking about clinging to, cleaving to, refusing to let go of sin in our heart. It says when we do that, we block the prayer path. We, we put a, a, a block between us and God. Isaiah says your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's why I cannot pray, God bless America. I can pray, God send revival to America. I can say, God have mercy on America. But I can't say, God bless America. Because how can God bless this mess when we are flaunting our sin in front of his face? America doesn't need the blessing of God. America needs the conviction of God and the revival of God and the awakening of God and the outpouring of the Spirit of God. America needs to understand where there is unconfessed sin, God's only desire for us is that we confess it and get it clean. Now, another cause of unanswered prayer is unforgiveness. You know, Jesus talked a lot about unforgiveness. He was very, very hard, very, very narrow with his requirement for unforgiveness and forgiveness on the part of his people. He said, 
answered prayer and forgiveness are tied together. And we don't like to hear that, but listen to what Jesus said. Now, we love the first verse. I'm going to read two verses. We love the first one, and we just skip right over the second one. But he says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer for, and uh, uh, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. But then he goes on. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. Everybody say, forgive him. Whether you feel like it or not, you don't have to feel it. You don't have to have some overwhelming emotion of forgiveness and say, when I feel it, I'll do it. You'll never feel it. Do it when you don't feel it. Just do it. So how can I do that, Pastor Jeff? Say it. I forgive them. Say it again. I forgive them. Repeat it. I forgive them. Because your tongue will lead you in the right direction when your heart will not. He says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against them, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your sins. Wow, that couldn't be stronger. And I used to read that and go, wow, Lord, that's really tough. And then I began to see why. Because Jesus understands the power of a root of bitterness. He knows what it will do to us. He knows what will happen if we don't forgive. It, it locks you up. That person you're mad at controls your life from a distance, sometimes from the grave. I believe sometimes you've got to forgive dead people. Because the important thing is in the presence of God we forgive. Because as long as we're bitter and angry and unforgiving, we're not hurting them. It's like you drinking poison thinking it's going to hurt them. But let me give you another motivation since some of you are not moved by spiritual motivations. Some of you care about what's looking at you in the mirror. Let me, let me give you some studies. Studies have recently shown how important it is to forgive when it comes to our well-being, our physical well-being. They found this. Scientists, they're always catching up with the Word of God. Have you noticed that? But here, here's what they found. People who do not forgive the wrongs committed against them have a harder time making and keeping friends. They found they have higher rates of divorce. They found that they tend to suffer from stress and depression and cardiovascular disease. Unforgiveness will put lines on your face. It'll shape your countenance in a scowl. Do you, do you believe me when I tell you that? Have you ever met somebody that's been bitter for about 20, 30 years? It ages you beyond your time. It affects, it affects your heartbeat. It affects your nerves. It affects everything about you. And if you're not careful, it'll age you before you ever got there. I hear some of you saying right now, ooh, I'm going to forgive. Ooh, I'm going to forgive. So forgiveness not only clears the way for answered prayer, but it also keeps us healthy. Now, I want to preach when I'm 80. I do. I want to preach when I'm 80. So, so I, I try to take care of myself. I do everything I can. No, it'll be a God willing if I, if I make it there, but I want to be stepping up here when I'm 80, and, and you're welcome to come with me. And so one thing I do is I forgive this morning in the place of prayer. When I was going through the Lord's Prayer, I realized, uh, you know what? I need to forgive all the time. And, and because Jesus, even in the Lord's Prayer, wouldn't let us get away from it. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the schemes and the tactics and the plots and plans of the devil. For thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, and thine the... I prayed through that this morning, and, and I forgave, I forgave, I forgave. You don't do it for them, you do it for you. Now, another cause of unanswered prayer is aimed at Christian husbands. You wives, keep your elbows to yourself now. Let me just tell you, Christian husbands, every Christian husband in here, raise your hand, all you Christian husbands. Okay, I'm going to tell you something in love. I'm the one that had to study this first. But here's what it says. The Apostle Peter wrote to the men in the church of his day. He said, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. That only means physically weaker. He's not saying not as smart, not as valuable. He's just saying physically weaker. Treat them as the physically weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So he says to the men, treat your wives lovingly. Be considerate of their needs. Treat them with respect. Understand that they are our partners together in the faith and in life. Friday night I did a wedding. I I did a re-wedding, a remarriage of a couple that had been married 38 years. And the woman had come under many, many physical battles in the last year, couple of years, and and has been very afflicted and, and was actually in a hospital and was in a wheelchair. And the husband said, I want to redo our vows. I, I want to I redo our vows. And, I, and so I went, in, and I went in there and put on the hospital gown and stood there and I remarried this precious couple. And it was a wonderful moment. It really was. All the family was there. And I, I quoted what Paul said. He said to the man, he said, listen, Christian husband, he said, if you love her, you love you. If you don't love her, you don't love you. And if you don't treat her right, you're not. I said, marriage is the only time in life when one plus one equals one. Because the two become one. So any other time in life, one and one is two. You got two because you got one and one. But when you got marriage, it's one. And, and so Paul Paul's point is clear, that now that you're married, that woman, sir, is an extension of you, a part of you, so that if mama ain't happy, come on, now that's East Texas, but it's true, if mama ain't happy, there ain't nobody happy in that house, not in that house, not even the dogs, nobody's happy in that house. No, not even the in-laws, not even the outlaws, not even the neighbors. (laughs) Paul says, as you treat her, you're treating yourself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. But he nourishes it and cherishes it as the Lord does the church. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He loved the church sacrificially. He loved the church selflessly. He loved the church first 
And that's how husbands are to treat their wives. And, and if we treat them badly, where they're hurting because of us, God says you're wasting your time in prayer. Go get it right with her. Oh, I had an experience one time. I've been preaching a long time. And I, I got invited to go preach. I'm living in East Texas. Got invited to go preach. And, and so before I walked out of the house, I had to go alone. Kathy was doing something, and we, we couldn't go, or she couldn't go with me. But before I left the house, we had a hearty disagreement <laughs> about something. And, and, and I got into my car all self-righteous. Lord, convict her. Lord, in Jesus' name, while I'm gone, just get a hold of her and show her how she was wrong. I pulled out of there. I'm driving to preach, and I got about halfway there, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you want to be anointed tonight? And I said, absolutely. And he said, then you better call her. And I said, why? She was wrong. And he said, Jeff, you want to be anointed tonight? And I said, I sure do, Lord. And he said, you better pull over and call her. This is before cell phones. I'm really dating myself here. <laughs> so I pulled over on the side of the road. I put my money in. I called. She answers, well, it's about time. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry. She said, uh-huh. And I said, no, I really am. And she said, I am too. You forgive me, I forgive you. Do you forgive me, I forgive you. And man, I walked out of there like Superman coming out of the phone booth. So say with me, man, husbands love your wives. Well, that was underwhelming. Let's try it again. Husbands love your wives. As Christ loved the church. Now just say with me, I'll do my best. There you go. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on. I can tell stories like that now, right? Yeah. Now, so sometimes God says no, but then sometimes God says wait. And this one's really important. And we've got to understand the ways of God here. When God says wait, Ecclesiastes 3.1 gives us an undeniable, irrefutable truth that is attached to our prayer life. Now, I want you to listen to what it says and think of prayer. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Our God is a timing God. He's a God of timing. God is a God of timing. And we need to understand, when it comes to our prayer life, every purpose of God in our life has a timer attached to it. Every purpose of God has a timer. Now, in this verse, he used very, very, two very important words about time. The first one, time. The second one, season. But there are two different ones. There are two different words. Time. There is a time. He says, there is a time for everything. That word is the Greek word chronos. Chronos simply refers to the passing of time. Well, we say to somebody, what time is it? They say it's 11 o'clock. That, that's chronos. Chronos is the chronological 
passing of time. How long did the service last? It lasted an hour. That's chronos. So it's timing. It's the duration of time. But the second word is season, and here lies a lot of uh, 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 ignorance and misunderstanding and lack of understanding on the way that God works. He says there is a time for everything, and there is a season. There is a season for every activity under the sun. That word is not chronos, but season is the Greek word kairos, kairos, kairos. So say with me chronos and then kairos. Now, kairos is not the duration of time. Kairos refers to the opportune time, the suitable time, the right moment, the favorable moment, the ripe moment for something to happen or for a decision to be made. There comes a time in the kairos of things where we need to make a decision because God has brought us to that moment and to that season and to that time where now it's the season, it's the kairos to finally make that decision or go that way or do that thing. The Bible talks about the fullness of time. And that's a kairos statement. When something occurred or will occur when the God-ordained season has come. Let me give you an example. Ephesians 1.10 says, Paul is writing, he says, this is the plan. In the fullness of time, that's kairos, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Here's what he's saying. The time is coming. It's not here yet, but, but the kairos, the season, the moment, the ripe moment will arrive when God will turn the entire world over to Christ and Christ will rule the world out of Jerusalem with a scepter of righteousness and with peace. And that time is coming when Jesus, Lord of lords and King of kings, is going to put the devil into the pit and Jesus Christ, King of kings, is going to put down all evil and he's going to rule the world and the lion will lay down with the lamb and we will have peace and war no more. Now, he says, in the fullness of time, the kairos, that will happen. Another example in Jesus' parable of the wheat and the tares, the Lord refers to the judgment that will happen when he appears because when he comes back, he's going to judge the world. And look what Jesus said. I'm quoting Jesus, Matthew 13, 30. Jesus said, at that time, the word there is kairos. I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, that's the lost, and tie them in bundles to be burned. That's hell. Then gather the wheat, that's you, and bring it into my barn. I'm looking forward to Jesus' barn. Meaning his house. Meaning heaven. Meaning glory. And so when he comes, he's going to do some harvesting. And by using kairos here, at that time, he said, at that kairos, He's telling us the judgment day is the appointed time for men to answer for their sins. That's the appointed time. Now listen to the various uses of kairos because this is matters with prayer. This is gonna, I'm going to apply this, and you're going to really get it in a minute. In Luke's gospel, we see the angel of God informing Zacharias that there was an appointed time 
for his son, John the Baptist, to be born. So when the angel appeared to John when he was in the Holy of Holies making the sacrifice as high priest, the angel appeared and said, Elizabeth is going to have a child. The fullness of Kairos had arrived. Once more in Luke, Jesus predicts that Israel would be judged. Watch this. Why? Jesus said, because you didn't recognize the time, the kairos of God's coming to you. You didn't recognize the time. You, didn't, you weren't aware that God was visiting you and calling you to repentance. Paul encourages believers, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due kairos, in due season, we will reap. If we do not give up. So what we're doing, right? Some of you are sowing. Some of you are reaping. Some of you got a bunch of seed in the ground, and you're thinking, well, where is God? Because you're living by Kronos and not Kairos. Because you, you're measuring God by your calendar and your watch. And you're going, good grief, I prayed for that a week ago. Where is God? And we don't understand that God does not answer prayer by Kronos. He answers by Kairos. God doesn't say, well, I get it. You're impatient. You need me to move. So, okay, I'll move. No, no, no. Listen carefully to me. God does not microwave his purposes for us. He marinades purpose. He marinades purpose. I'm going to say that again. Well, let me give you an example. Well, I remember one Thanksgiving very, very well. Uh, Kathy was cooking uh, turkey as, as usual, and, and all the family was over there. The cowboys were about to play. It was almost 3 o'clock. And the smell, the fragrance of this turkey was torturing me and tormenting me. And I finally went in there and said, hey, Kathy, come on. Cowboys are about to play. When are we going to eat? She said this to me. She said, Jeff, it's in the oven. Leave it alone and give it time or you're not going to like what you eat. Now, you know where I'm going with this. She was marinate. She was roasting. She was doing something. That turkey had to be cooked. It could not be microwaved. There's some things you can't speed up. Some things are not a Kronos issue. They are Kairos issues. It is a matter of you and I learning to wait for the seasons of God. Come on, everybody. One day, this is really something, the book of Acts says that as Governor Felix was listening to the Apostle Paul speak, Paul reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, and Felix got nervous. He was coming under conviction, and he says to Paul, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, and the word he uses, kairos, which is another translation of kairos, opportunity is translated from kairos. When I get an opportunity, a season, another season, I will summon you. See, Felix wanted to pick his own opportunity to respond to the gospel, ignoring the God-ordained moment, the God-ordained opportunity that God was giving to him right then and right there by having the, the greatest man of God on the planet talking to him about Jesus that very moment. And he said, not now, another kairos. From everything we know historically, Felix died lost. Because you see, folks, God gives us an opportunity to do things. He gives us a moment to act, a, a moment to respond. And here's where I'm going with this. 
See, when God gives you a season, he gives you an opportunity. When, the, when God comes knocking, we need to come answering. Because that opportunity won't stay. It'll move down the road and find somebody else that'll do it. So while you've got your strength and while you've got your wits about you and while you can get out of bed and you can get out of a chair and you can walk and you can function, serve God. Paul regularly stressed the urgency of responding to the gospel. He said, I tell you, now is the time, kairos, of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We're right now living in in God's kairos to be saved. It's his season. You can be saved right now. Call out in the name of the Lord, but it won't always be there. There's a window of opportunity to, to accept God's salvation, and we do not know when that window will close. We do not know. When I was a young man, uh, probably about 17, and I had gotten away from Christ. When I got saved in juvenile home at 16, I didn't know how to walk with God. I didn't know anything about anything. So I wandered. I strayed. I drifted. I, I drifted, and, and, I, and I, was, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know to read the Bible. I didn't know to go to church. I was saved in jail. No one told me. And two friends came knocking on my door one day, two old drug buddies who had gotten saved and spirit-filled and were serving God, and they invited me to a Bible study. And I remember just not being able to wait to close that door on them. They were both carrying Bibles, and I took one look at their face and said, oh, no. (laughs) And they said, hey, Jeff, we got a Bible study, a great Bible study in South Dallas. We'd love for you to come. I said, hey, you know, I'll think about it. Hey, see you later. And I remember... When the door closed and I turned around, there was a presence in that room. Listen, I'm not kidding. There was a presence in that room. And you know what that presence said? Do it now. Respond now, Jeff. Go to that Bible study. Because I see what you don't see. You're at a fork in the road, son. You need to respond while my grace and my kairos My season for you to respond is here. Don't, don't walk away. It was in the room. In the room. I mean, it was like Jesus was standing in the room. And I said, I'm going. I went that night. I got, I had an incredibly powerful experience with the Holy Spirit of God. It totally turned my life around. I was on fire from that moment on. Within a year, I was preaching and teaching and have been doing so ever since. And I want you to look. The kairos was there. The moment to respond. Jesus' first recorded sermon was simple. The time, kairos, has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time, the season, it's here. As Christians, we're exhorted to take advantage of God-ordained seasons to serve the Lord. Paul said, as we have opportunity, kairos, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. He said in Ephesians 5, 16, we must be making the most of every opportunity, kairos, because the days are evil. God is opening doors. He's giving you opportunity. There are things that you can do, places you can go, ways that you can serve him. Take advantage of that because it won't always be there. Jesus himself said, night comes when no man can work. 
Now, here's my point regarding answered prayer. If there's a right time for everything, then there's also a wrong time. It may not be a wrong request, but it may be the wrong time. And if it's the out-of-season time for our prayer to be answered, God says, wait. He doesn't say no. He just says, wait. When God's hand came on me to preach, oh, my heart burned. Oh, my Lord. It just ate me alive. I wanted to preach the word so bad, and, and I just I could not understand why God didn't launch me into full-time ministry. Because, and I would say to him, Lord, the world's going to hell in a handcart, and here I sit painting offices at night. Now, there's anything wrong with painting offices at night, but I was wanting to preach. I preached to the walls. I preached to squirrels and birds in the forest. I preached to anything I could. I wanted to declare the Word of God. And now I see that God was saying to me, Jeff, my purpose is not microwaved, it's marinated. And I want you to learn some things. When God tells us to wait, he's telling us to learn and to grow and to trust and to walk and to seek and to learn to wait with confidence and wait with joy because when the season arrives and the fullness of time comes and the door finally opens, believe me, you're going to need everything you learned in that waiting time. God said through Habakkuk, the vision is yet for an appointed time. That's Kairos. But at the end it will speak. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it shall surely come. Wait for it. It's for an appointed time. You're not wrong about your vision. You're not wrong about your prayer. You're just wrong about the time. So hang on and trust. Amen. I'm going to get this CD. I need to hear this. I'm going to need this by Tuesday. Do you know there are a lot of things that are happening in my life right now I thought was going to happen 30 years ago? Now, I'm not saying that to discourage you, but we got to understand God does not think like us. He answers prayer according to kairos, seasons, not according to chronos and our timetable. So delay, say with me, delay, delay. is not denial. not denial. So God may be saying to you today, it's in my will for you, just not now. And then there's always when God says yes, when a prayer is answered in His will, when it's prayed in His will and in the right season by a blood-bought child of God, and God answers speedily. He will, for instance, always immediately answer the prayer of salvation. If you're out there and you don't know Jesus and you were right now to say, Lord, forgive me, I have sinned against you. Come into my heart and be my Savior. He would instantly answer. He never says to a lost person, wait. He says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. He immediately answers the prayer of repentance when a child of God sins. And we go to him and we say, Lord, please forgive me. He immediately answers that prayer. He immediately answers the prayer of casting your cares upon him by giving you his peace that passes understanding. So there are prayers where God just says, yes, you've got it and you've got it now. But Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and don't give up. And one last thing. 
What if your heart is right with God and you've prayed in faith and you fully believe you're praying according to His will and He still doesn't answer your prayer? And you don't get it. Lord, I've done all the right things. I've passed this prayer through the sifter of the Word of God. I don't understand why I've asked for this and it's not here. What's going on, God? I don't get it. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. There's no sin in my life. I don't, where, where are you? And we can say with David, how long, O oh Lord? And Lord, why aren't you answering me? David prayed often, many times in the Psalms. Here's the answer. God is all-knowing, and he can see things I can't. And I've got to trust him. The Bible says, I want you to trust God with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Isn't that what it says? I'm reading it. Trust in the Lord with part of your heart. Oh, I'm sorry, I misread that. With all your heart. And he's talking to a person in conflict here. This person is looking at things with their own understanding and saying, I don't get it. Why, why haven't you this? Why haven't you that? Why, did, why when I thought you were going to go this way, you went that way? And why, when I was expecting this, I'm seeing that or nothing at all? What's going on, God? He's talking to somebody in conflict with their faith. He says, the answer is you trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path guaranteed. God says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I see what you don't see. Even the great apostle Paul said, we see through a glass dimly. I, I see on my best day like I'm in a fog. I don't see what God sees. But the day will come. I will understand why he didn't answer or that he was working the whole time I thought he wasn't. We see so little. We see so little. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I've told you I have a file, and there's a file in my mind, and the file is marked things I don't understand. And that file gets thicker with the years, things I don't understand. But listen, folks, that doesn't mean I walk away from God. That doesn't mean I say, well, it's not real. I'm just, you know, there's no God because clearly he's not answering me. No, no, no. I trust him with all of my heart. When I don't understand his hand, I trust his heart. I trust his heart. And so when you've done everything right and there's no answer and, and doesn't seem to be anything happening, he may be working behind the scenes in ways you have no clue about. And you've got to keep on keeping on with God. Can we stand together today? We just lift our hands to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, thank you. You're a prayer-answering God. Now, I want us together. I think most of you are in a Kairos season somewhere in your life. And I want you to trust him that he's got some things in the oven for you. They're cooking. They're baking. They're marinating. And in the fullness of time, in the Kairos season, 
The door is going to open. The answer is going to come. The way is going to be made. And you're going to say, thank God that I waited. Thank God that I trusted. So I want you to take a minute as we just worship the Lord. And we're going to sing again, I think God is so good. And as we sing, I want you to give him those areas in your life where you've been tempted to say, I don't get it, it's not real, and, and your faith is being shaken. I want you to give it to God and say, Lord, I trust you with all of my heart. I trust you with all of my heart. And I know that I can trust you in a Kairos season. I trust your Kairos timing in Jesus' name. Pray it right now.